Stop it. Don't do that. <laughs> I hate that so much. And welcome. No, it's terrible. All right. I was trying to do the Lupita and Young. I know. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I can't do it. I can't either. To be fair, she studied a lot. Yeah. All right. Hello. And welcome. To another episode of Saturday, Saturday the 14th. 14th. I am Maggie. And I am Maddie. And we have not recorded an episode in a while. I know. Uh, the holidays were a crazy time. Maggie traveled, came back for three days, then I traveled. Yeah. It was hectic. And we're sorry for uh, keeping you guys waiting. But we're happy you're here with us now. We are. And um, we are getting things started off on a weird note. Yeah. Uh, we decided that we wanted to celebrate one of the better horror movies from 2019 yeah uh, i think it was one of the more popular ones i think so yeah one of the more successful ones certainly the most recent film from somebody who i think will end up being um sort of a horror auteur of our generation and it is not midsomar it's not although we will get to that one at everything some point. we said also applies to that yes that is true i do think that ari aster and spoilers jordan peele are pretty much on the same level i mean they've probably read the title of this episode maggie I'm going to pretend I don't understand how podcasts work (laughs) and that you just stumbled across this somehow. We are uh, diving into the 2019 film Us. We are. um, We have a lot of feelings about this. I think you have more feelings than I do. I do. I just have a lot of opinions about things and I like to tell people how I feel. I have a lot of questions. Okay. Questions are the first. Where did they get the red jumpsuits? That is a great question. Where did they get the vintage shears? Also a great question. Like, why were they all matching instead? Of, like, how much money did they spend on Amazon for that shit? How <laughs> many orders did they have to place? You go into, so delivery instructions are you have to go into the fun house and you have to go down the weird escalator and then ring the door. Somebody will come out and find you. And then probably groan. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe deliver a child from themselves while doing it. Maybe. It's, it's possible. Um, so yeah, so we're talking about us today. Um, obviously, this is the follow-up to um, Jordan Peele's incredible directorial debut, um, Get Out, which we have already discussed. So if you are in a Jordan Peele mood, go check out our episode on that. Yeah. So yeah, so shall we dive on in? Let's do it. Okay. Um, yeah, as Maggie just mentioned, this was written and directed by Jordan Peele. Um, it stars Lupita Nyong'o, uh, Winston Duke, Shahadi Wright-Joseph. Evan, Alex, Elizabeth Moss, and Tim Heidecker. I actually really like Elizabeth Moss as like the trashy, oh my like, god, rich white wife. Yeah, I like liked... a real housewife of San Jose. She does. I liked her, and I liked Tim Heidecker, who I think is very funny. Um, I don't think I recognized him. He was, yeah. I mean, he was the he's from the Tim and Eric Awesome show. I've never watched it. Yeah, I haven't really either. Uh, my personal Tim is a fan. So I would say he needs a friend named Eric, but he has a friend named Eric. Yeah. And, and also a friend named Tim. It's the Tim and Eric and Tim show. <laughs> no, it's not. This is the Maddie and Maggie show. Yeah. Go away, boys. Yeah. But if you're listening, that's fine. You can listen. Um, but this was made for a budget of about 20 million. Yeah. Which is a lot higher than Get Out was. Yeah. I think Get Out was 5 million. I don't remember how much it was, but there were also like not very many special effects in Get Out. True. This is definitely a larger scale. And it did make a lot of money. It made $255 million, which is like great. It also had a a lot bigger talent. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I 
I would say there are a lot of like character actors in Get Out, and then Daniel Kaluuya, who is now very big, but like at the time was sort of that was like one of his star making roles in the U.S. Yeah, one of the roles that brought him to U.S. audiences because he had that one um, Black Mirror episode. Right, he was really good. He was, yeah. And then of course, Allison Williams, people know from Girls, Catherine Keener, Peter Pan. She, oh my God, she was Peter Pan. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, Catherine Keener and, and the love of my life, Bradley Whitford. Um, I love Bradley Whitford. I don't know what you're talking about. The parents and Get Out. Oh, oh, oh. The Did pe- you ever watch West Wing? I have not watched the West okay. Wing. Okay. My mom used to make me watch it when I was a kid. And I was like, this is boring and I don't watch boring TV shows. I loved it because it. Uh, CJ, Allison Janney, is uh, like six foot one or something like that. And so she was like a tall, smart obnoxious lady not obnoxious but like a smart ass and I was like I love her and I want to be her that's awesome um but Bradley Whitford uh plays Josh Lyman on West Wing and he is a 90s hunk honestly 2000s. I thought you were like naming a movie that Daniel Kaluuya was in that was like the name of a person no and I got very confused I was I didn't naming know those the actors other names. character actors from Get Out see that's the difference it's but like, there's everyone yeah. knows who Lupita Nyong'o is that's true I would say she's definitely the biggest star of this I mean Winston Duke obviously like people know him from Black Panther yeah yeah he just looks very Baca. different yeah but anyway this made a lot of money it made 200 uh, 255 million dollars it did which is like nothing to sneeze at. no hats off to jordan peele that's amazing yeah um and it was it got pretty good reviews it did i think no one liked it quite as much as get out which i would say i feel the same way i definitely about. feel that way i think if i hadn't seen get out if i wasn't familiar with that i would like this movie a lot more but i kind of went in being like oh it's gonna be as good as get out i think and i had a lot more expectations yeah and I don't all think i'd heard about good. get out when i saw it was it's good mm-hmm. and so i think there's also a thing that happens when someone's really really successful with their first movie where they're given a lot of creative freedom to like yeah. kind of do whatever they want for their second movie because they're like oh you did such a good job like go do your own thing and the thing is usually if you're making your first movie you have a lot of guidance right or you have like limitations that you have to work creatively with yeah and so when you don't have creative limitations and you don't have like studio execs trying to like even i know they make some really bad decisions but also like there are times they make good decisions and yeah. this was a case where they probably could have used a little bit more guidance from, like, a mentor. Yeah, I definitely get the vibe that people were kind of like, oh, it's, like, genius Wonder Boy Jordan Peele. And I do think that he is... He is still a genius Wonder he Boy. He is a genius Wonder Boy. But, like, I think that he's a genius Wonder Boy who, a couple times along this process, could have been, like, told that certain parts don't necessarily make a ton of sense. That and, like, even, like, the best authors still have editors. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't know what his editorial process was on this like there could have been other people checking him along the way as well people could have like they needed one person to be like okay but why yeah to a couple pieces yeah there's definitely some threads that um and we'll get into this in a second there are so many things about this movie that are so thought out and so meticulous and so planned and then there's these big threads that don't really connect and don't really tie up and it's sort of like how did you spend all the time on all the little tiny what think, t-shirt someone's wearing and this thing and that thing and you couldn't be like oh let's make the, the mythology of the characters make sense you know but like 10 minutes of this movie is really great yeah the problem is that there are just like they introduce really big ideas without answering the questions that that spawns from and those big ideas at times invalidate parts of the earlier movie right and, and so I also there think, isn't like a cohesion yeah and I think it's so great up until the very end for me that like you're waiting for it to build to this incredible thing see I didn't feel that way I was like okay yes I dig it mm-hmm. I'm here for it I understand it let's go but also I had a couple questions that were like but the sure. characters making these decisions 
that doesn't make sense to me. Like these characters would say different things in this situation okay. based on the ending. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can certainly see that. I just, I don't know. I guess when I was watching it, like I was so on board with it for like the beginning that I was like, Oh my God, like when we find out what is going on, it's going to be so cool. Like I can't wait. Like I felt like the twist and get out was awesome and so well done. I was like, it's going to be it like was, that. And true. just like, wasn't there for me all the way. Well, it was most of the way, but not quite. Why where don't I we dive it into it so we can go yeah, into much more absolutely. specifics about these for issues. Sure. Um, but so the movie actually starts off with a close-up of a TV commercial. Yeah, for Hands Across America. There's actually like a quote or something before that that's in black on the screen. Oh, yeah. So the quote is about how there are millions of miles of tunnels underneath the United States. Yeah. And a lot of them are subway tunnels and some of them people just don't know what they're there for. Yeah. It, honestly, I feel like the movie could have done without that probably. It could have, yeah. Um, which is why I didn't take notes on the fact that that happened. But yeah, there's a uh, close-up of a commercial for a coast-to-coast human chain, which is Hands Across America, mm-hmm. that will uh, be happening in 1986. Yeah. And it turns out it is 1986. It is. And we get to see, from here we move over to uh, young Adelaide. And she's at the Santa Cruz Pier. Yeah, she's with her parents, um, her dad and her mom. And they are walking around. It's like a nice summer night. Her dad has had a couple beers and her mom is getting annoyed with her him. Her dad also like wins her a uh, t-shirt. A thriller t-shirt. Yeah, it's a Michael Jackson thriller t-shirt. And she's actually wearing a Hands Across America shirt and she puts yeah. a thriller on shirt. She puts the thriller shirt on over it. Yeah. And her dad is like, he wants to play whack-a-mole. And her mom is like, I have, have to go to the, to the bathroom. bathroom. And she tries to get Adelaide to go to the bathroom with her. And Adelaide's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Um... Her dad is also played by Yahya Abdul-Mateen III, who was um, Black Manta in Aquaman. I haven't seen Aquaman. And also was very good on the Netflix show uh, The Get Down. Haven't seen that either. He was great in it. I don't watch anything except for reruns of The Office and whatever movie you make me watch for this podcast. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so she sticks with her dad, but her dad is like not really paying attention to her. And so she wanders off. Yeah, and she goes down to the beach, and when she's at the beach, she sees, like, a fun house, which is, like, forest-themed, but there's a big arrow that says, like, find yourself here or something like that. Yeah, it's, like, a Native American-themed fun house, and they're, like, there's, like, a voiceover inside that's, like, talking about Native American, like, mythology, like, creation myths, basically. Oh, I honestly wasn't. I had no idea what they were saying. I I wouldn't have. I had turned them on at that point, and I Googled. I turned them on, like, two minutes after that. Um, so she goes through, and she's wandering around, and she gets stuck in this hall of mirrors. Um, There's also an animatronic owl that yeah, pops out at her. and it hoots, and she's afraid. Um, and so as she's wandering around, she sees herself in all these mirrors. She's getting kind of freaked out, and then she gets to one part and backs up against uh, another little girl who looks exactly like her, who's facing the opposite direction. Yeah, and then she turns around and, like, creepily smiles at her, and it's clearly, like, a different, like, clone-like thing. Yeah, like her. a doppelganger of yeah. her, basically. And so then we get a cut to a rabbit, a close-up of a rabbit's eye that just slowly zooms out, and there's, like, weird chanting. And uh, I think it was ominous chanting is the word. Ominous that foreign the, language chanting or something or like that. like, ominous choral chanting in a foreign language. Yeah. Definitely, like, all of those things were somehow included in it. <laughs> and I was like, this is very specific. Thanks, Amazon. Actually, I must have turned, I think I turned it on while they were in the, uh, the subtitles on while they were in the, uh fun house yeah um i actually had to watch it on hbo because i couldn't get it on oh Amazon. right yeah that's true it is on it is on hbo right now so um after the creepy rabbit we cut forward to um adelaide as an adult who is kind of asleep in the car 
uh, on a drive with her husband Gabe and her children, Zora and Jason. I love the name Zora. It's a really nice name. It's like a combination of my old dog Zoya mm. and Zorro. Yeah, it means dawn, I believe, okay. which is interesting because Umbre, which is a name that will come up later, means shadows. Oh, I love that. Mm. That makes sense, actually, because Umbreon is a yeah. uh, dark Pokemon. <laughs> so Umbre. I like it. Is... Also, Jason is the Greek hero, and Pluto, which comes up later, is another term for uh, Hades. Yes, it's the so Roman of, version of Hades. Yeah, there's a lot of mythology in some names. It's also a planet. Yeah. Where is and it? And a dog. It's not a planet anymore. I think it's a minor, a dwarf planet or something like that. So they're driving to their lake house, beach house in Santa Cruz. I think it's a it's a lake house. It's like on a yeah. marina or something like that. Like it's, it's not on. I think it's on the lake that then they have to because they have to drive a while to get to the beach. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. And there's like lakes in Santa Cruz, I think, maybe. I don't yeah. know. I don't know, but they're definitely on the water. Um, and they're having like a fun time uh, hanging out. Well, the kids are not super into it. They want there to be like Wi Fi and they want a dog and they're running around all over the place and being obnoxious. They're being kind of obnoxious. Well, actually, they're like I really teenagers. Like Zora. She's Zora's great. funny. Yeah. Um, Jason, the kid, he's like wearing a Chewbacca mask everywhere he goes. I think it's a Chewbacca mask. Yeah. And so at some point he gets like locked in a closet because like he was playing in the closet and trying to use his like magic trick thing he left at the house last time he went and there's like an ambulance toy he uses to prop it open. And his sister kicks it out. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, he starts screaming because he gets locked in this closet. Fun fact, I got locked in a closet once. Oh, interesting. I was on a cruise mm-hmm. and I thought, uh, I went into my room that I was sharing with my sister and she was using the bathroom. And really loudly, I was like, oh, no, there's someone in the room. I should hide. Making, like, a joke about it being, like, a burglar or something. So I get into the closet. And I close it. And I wait. And I want to pop out at her. Well, she just leaves immediately. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I go to, like, get out of the closet. Fun fact about cruise ship closets. Oh, no. They lock. They shouldn't do that. They do it because that way, like, the doors don't, like swing out i guess like if it gets like turbulent or yeah. what's, what's choppy waters yeah, choppy whatever waters. um and so i was locked in i could not get out and i was screaming at the top of my lungs banging trying to like break the door down and i could not because i was 13 years old oh my god and luckily these sports water sports team heard me and like broke into my room and let me out and then they announced it to the ship that night holy shit that's so incredible. i understand how terrifying it is to be locked in a closet like that oh my god um what's even more terrifying <laughs> apparently is the flashback that adelaide has <laughs> while they're at the beach <laughs> or while they're at the house because she like she goes down into like the basement and has like this kind of memory of herself as a younger child um and after she'd wandered off like, so when she wandered off at the beach when she was a little kid and she came back, uh, she was only gone for, like, 15 minutes, but she didn't speak for, like, a really long time afterwards because she had, like, basically PTSD from something that happened, but nobody ever was, like, 100% sure what had happened to her. Yeah, because she couldn't tell them because she couldn't speak because she was right. so scarred by the event. Yeah, and so she doesn't want to go back to the beach because they're going to the Santa Cruz Pier, which is the same place that this happened to her. Well, she doesn't want to, but her husband, uh, Gabe is like, hey, let's go to the beach. We're going to do the beach. And she was like, no, we're not. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yes, we are. Like, this is the whole point of why we're going. Yeah. Which I get, because she, like, clearly has not told him any of this stuff. 
And so it's just like you go on a vacation with your wife and your family and all of a sudden, like, once you're at the place, your wife is like, I don't want to go to the beach. And you're like, what are you talking about? We're going to the beach. That's the point. Yeah. And she's just being very weird about it. But he convinces her to go. Um, as long as they leave before dark. Yeah. Um, and so they go. And on the drive, um, so they see this man who's being loaded into an ambulance who is either dead or almost dead. Um, and it's the same man that she had seen when she was a child. She'd walked by him on the pier the night that whatever it was that and happened. And he was holding happened. a... Uh, cardboard sign that said like judea eleven eleven. jeremiah eleven eleven. that was close you were i know nothing about the bible i know it's okay do you want to know what jeremiah eleven eleven says um i actually looked it up because of this okay what does it say yeah it says uh behold i will bring evil upon them which they shall not be able to escape and though they shall cry unto me i will not hearken unto them so that's a fun bit of i did not memorize that yeah no that would be weird if you did you said you you just said you don't know anything about the bible <laughs> i know no i did but i do know that one <laughs> specifically for uh this because i was googling like the importance of like 11 11 because you see it like five times in the movie. yeah so at the beach um the families like so they're there with uh the tyler family who are friends of gabe the husband i think is friends with that's gabe. where elizabeth mott Moss comes in. I just try to call her Elizabeth Moth. <laughs> Elizabeth Moss comes in here, and yeah. she's playing such like a different oh type my of character God, than she's usual. So funny. She's like a yeah. She's had like plastic surgery, she and she's kind like of a, acts like one of like the Real Housewives. Yeah, and it's really funny. And her and her husband like do not get along. No, they don't like each other. They have these really bitchy twins who are like giving. I kind of love the twins Wilson and hate them at the done. same time. Yeah, they're terrible, but they're really funny. Um, like one of them's wearing like a black flag cut off. Yeah. They look like who I would have wanted to be at 16. They're not like mean. Well, they make, they like kick in, um, Jason's, do they kick in his tunnel that he's building or does the water wash that I away? thought someone else kicked it in. Oh, no, maybe. It might've been them actually. Yeah. Cause they say like sandcastles are dumb or something like that. Yeah. They do do. Oh yeah. That's pretty shitty. They're like shitty teenagers. But they're not, like, obscenely shitty. At no, point, they're, they're like, like, average shitty teenagers. Uh, they do comment on, like, the fact that the kids aren't going in the water. Yeah. And that uh, at some point, like, the uh, kid Jason, he used to pee. And in unison, they're like, why don't you go in the water? Yeah, but he goes off to go to a bathroom. And while he's wandering, he's, like, wandering down the beach. And he notices this guy standing with his arms outstretched on either side. He's wearing, like, a long green trench coat type thing. Yeah, and there's, like... His blood. arms are out and blood is dripping off one of his hands. Yeah. Um, and so right as... And he's right near the fun house, too, when he sees this. Yeah. And so um, around this time, Adelaide realizes that uh, he's gone. And she, like, runs, like, freaks out and runs and finds him. And she's, like, screaming about, like, don't ever do that to me again. Like, I thought I lost you. Like, don't ever do that kind of thing to me again. She's very upset about it. And so they go home. Yeah. Understandably. That was probably, like, scary as hell for her. Yeah. And so she goes to put him to sleep and, like tell him that like she's not mad she was just worried about him and she sees this weird picture that he'd drawn of the man with like the bloody hand and it's like what is this who is this and he's like oh i don't know that and at some point the kid's like i know why you were scared and she's like oh yeah he's like you thought i was dead yeah and she was like no i didn't i just thought maybe you were like taken or something yeah but yeah which still pretty bad i mean it's right near where some questionable activity went down when she was young that's and true. as we see as more unfolds she has a very real reason to be concerned about her son entering yeah that mirror house but so uh 
after this, she goes to talk to her husband and she tells him about what well, kind of about the experience that she had in the funhouse. But all I could think is you have two kids. One of them's like 15. Yeah. You really waited 15 plus years to tell this man about like the most traumatic event of your childhood. I don't get the impression that she opens up very often. I get that. But like, if you don't want to go to the beach, like if you have a problem with going to the beach, like I think saying like, I had like a horrible event and I don't want to go back to this place where I had this horrible event. That's a really easy way to get him to say like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Let's not go. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think that, um, she doesn't really want to address what has happened to her. And that's and also, like, sounds crazy. It does sound crazy. Because when she tells him, she's like, yeah, I went into the House of Mirrors and I saw this little girl who looked exactly like me and I know that she's coming for me. Like, she's going to find me someday. And he's like... It was a mirror. What? There were mirrors there. <laughs> she's like, no, I touched her. It was real. And he's like... Lol, okay. What's happening? And he makes this, like, really bad, cringy joke about, like, well, I could fight you, so I could fight her, too. And she's like, what the fuck is wrong with yeah, no, I, I didn't like that joke because it's like sounds very like domestic violency, which is like not great, but also also obviously not what he was trying no, no, to no. say. It was, it was, it was honestly like... it was super obviously like supposed to be a like a misstep yeah. on his part because he isn't like a super tactful guy. Yeah. But she just gives him like the what the fuck did you just say look. And I love that. Yeah. Like honestly, she is amazing in this entire movie. I really find their relationship to be a little bit baffling because I don't fully understand how those two people ended up together. But also I find him so endearing as like a big, like dorky dad with like his dad glasses and like his college sweatshirt and like his football. He's just and it's nice to see because Winston Duke is like six foot five and like a big dude and like played a very intimidating character in uh black panther and in this he's just like a goofy dad and i love that about yeah. him i just and I he, adore like, him. at some point he buys a boat yeah and is like so proud of like this like really kind of shitty boat it's that he bought bad boat it's not it's a good like kind of rusted and dirty and yeah. it like, leans to the left and like has a problem starting you have to like bang on the engine to get it to start mm-hmm. And but he's like so happy. He just wants to have like a really nice family vacation, make yeah. his family happy, and he cares so much. And I love it. He's like, just such a sweetie. I love seeing like really wonderful representations of men in media. Yeah, because uh, so many times they're like like the asshole dad or whatever. Yeah. And he's just like a sweetheart. He he's so very much. corny, but he's really you really know, corny's sweet. great. Love it corny. Is. Um, and so basically he brushes off her fears because like it sounds insane. But later that night they're all hanging out and. Jason comes in and is like, hey, there's a family in our driveway. Because he's supposed to be asleep, and he comes downstairs, and he tells them. And Gabe's like, there's not a family in our driveway. What the fuck are you talking about? And they go, and they look, and there's a family in their driveway. Gabe just needs to learn to trust what people are saying. Well, to be fair, a lot of weird shit starts happening on this one day. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I I guess guess nothing would have changed if he believed them. Yeah. But they go and they check it out, and there's, like, a family of four holding hands, standing at the end of their driveway, all dressed in red jumpsuits, which is really weird. Very weird. And he, like, goes out and he tries to threaten them. Like, they call the police, but the police are, like, 15 minutes away. He gets a baseball bat, and he decides he's going to go out and, like, threaten them. And he, like, tries to put on his best, like, oh, if you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Like, he's trying to beat the tough guy and and whatnot. Um, They're just not reacting. Until they all drop hands with each other and skitter off into different directions. And then he's oh, like, fuck that. this, I'm going inside. And he's like, call the police. And she's like, I did that. Yeah, they're on the way, but they're 15 minutes away. Um, and so everybody, the house gets broken into. And it's the four of them 
but fucked up, basically. So there is a yeah. version of each of them, but like... They're all messed up in different ways. Yeah. So, or not messed... Like, yeah. I yeah. mean, like, uh, either kind of like a little off personality-wise or physically. So the other version of Gabe is a guy called Abraham who doesn't speak. He only screams. Uh, only one of them speaks. Red, who is the Adelaide counterpart, is the only one who can speak at all. And even it, for her, it yeah. doesn't seem easy. Well, the husk is broken into. They all get them into a room and are yes. like talking to them. Yeah. So they sit them down and Red runs through this story of how there were once two little girls, one who lived in the light and one who lived in the shadow. And the girl in the light was loved and had soft toys and ate nice food and meets a handsome prince and... Um, how like the girl who lived in the shadow she didn't get to choose her prince because the girl in the sun choosed him for her and so she was forced to marry Abraham who his is shadow Gabe's shadow yeah, yeah. and they and have then, these monster children uh, they had kids and um, when they had Zora the like doppelgangers had Umbre and they mm-hmm. say something about her, and I can't remember what. She is. She was born laughing, and she's a monster or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. And then um, when they had Jason, the doctor had to, like, cut her open to take the baby out of her. Yeah. But how uh, Red had to do it all herself. Yeah, when she had Pluto. Yeah. And he and- loves to burn yeah, and Pluto's wearing a mask over his face. You can only yeah. see his eyes, which is funny, actually, because Jason's always wearing the Chewbacca mask. Yeah. They're two sides of the coin. They are. And so Gabe is trying to bargain, and he's doing a very bad job, because she really lays it out on the table where she's like, I want you to suffer this because of my shitty life. One of my favorite things in this movie is, like, he's like, do you want, like, I can go to an ATM, I can give you money, I can give you anything you want, like, do you want the boat? I'll give you the boat. And then uh, Zora's like, dad, no one wants the fucking boat. And it's so good. Zora is so great. Oh my god. I really love Zora as a character. Honestly, all of, yeah, the, both of the kids are good. They're very different. Zora's definitely like the funny, clever one, and Jason is like a totally different vibe, but like... Jason, uh, so this whole movie, um, he's wearing like a magician, or no, sorry, so this whole movie, he's wearing, like, a tuxedo t-shirt. Yeah. And he's been obsessed with this magic trick. Mm-hmm. And apparently the reason why is, like, he's supposed to be, like, the mage of the group who's, like, really wise oh, and has, like, an inherent skill. Nice. And so uh, that's why they chose that t-shirt for him. I like that. And then also because it has the downward V. And at the beach, he's wearing a Jaws shirt, which is an upward V. So it's mm. supposed to show, like, the light and the dark. Like, arrows pointing up and down. Yeah. It's very interesting. There's a lot of t-shirt. Uh, a lot of t-shirts. She's also in this scene, uh, Zora is wearing a shirt that says it has though it's though but it has like the little squiggle over the o which makes it the vietnamese word for rabbit yeah which is interesting um and so red makes adelaide handcuff herself to a table tether herself to the table with handcuffs um so abraham grabs gabe and sort of pulls him outside uh red tells zora to run and umbre chases after her and then um adelaide tells uh jason to go show pluto his toy or his trick or something like that yeah um they said like i think red says like why don't you two go play and then adelaide's like you can show him the trick yeah um and so now adelaide and red are sitting down and talking and red is like oh we're gonna untether ourselves from you now we're gonna like cut the tether between us by basically killing your entire family and taking all of your shit essentially yeah um 
And so at this point, the family is like entirely separated. Yeah. Um, and Red is like getting ready to pretty much kill Adeline, where she's kind of like playing with her toy. A little yeah, bit. you can tell she wants to like torture her, basically. Yeah. Um. Gabe and Abraham are like out on the boat for some yeah. reason. I don't remember exactly how they. Oh, because uh, Gabe is gonna like tie Abraham, or Abraham. Like, tries to put Gabe in a sack, and he's going to throw him out into the water. Yes, 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 yes. That's the plan, because he's going to drown him. But Gabe gets out of the sack. Yeah. And pushes Abraham into the water. Yeah. But, like, he his foot is, like, attached by a rope to, like, a buoy, and Mm -hmm. it's, like, kind of funny. Like, I will say Jordan feels good at, like, including comedy. Yeah, he he knows what he's doing. Um, But so he has his foot tethered to, like, this buoy thing, which gets, like... Tethered. (laughs) um, Did not do that on purpose at all, honestly. Um... And so there's this whole kind of funny thing. They're fighting on the boat. And at some point, like, they push each other in and the boat dies. And at some point, Gabe, like, hits the the engine while Abraham is standing on it. And so it, like, cuts up his leg and kills yeah. him yeah, it, in the water. Yeah, and he dies. Sorry, I'm like, trying to remember the exact uh, turn of events. There's a couple more things that happen, but mm-hmm. it's, like, a good death. Like, good it death is. Game. It's a solid death. And then Zora is running from umbre and umbre is like gonna get her and umbre is up on a car and this other guy comes out of his house and is like hey get off of my car and while he's distracting umbre zora just like fucking books it on out of there yeah zora is a cross-country runner yes um this was mentioned earlier in the movie Mm -hmm. but we did not mention it and so she's like really good at running and then Jason and Pluto are like hanging out in the like the closet upstairs where he had been hiding earlier and as they're Sitting there, they have, like, I would say the least aggressive relationship between the two of them. Definitely. Um, Jason discovers that Pluto will basically mirror any action that he does. Like, he doesn't seem to be able to control himself from, like, just doing the opposite of whatever he's doing. Which makes sense because he's also the youngest. Right. And so probably has the hardest time, like, doing his own thing. Yeah, and he's not, like, fully untethered from him yet, basically. Because basically the idea is that, like, all of those people... They're supposed to basically be doing every single thing that their counterpart does. Yeah, and now they're able to, like, break free and go, like, up above ground and, like, kind of make their own way. But it seems like it hasn't really fully severed for Pluto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Jason manages to lock him in the closet. Well, what happens? Well, first, like, there's a point where he's, like, doing the whole hand thing and he's mm-hmm. mirroring it. And he takes off oh, his own mask. mask. And when we see Pluto's mask is taken off, like, the bottom half of his f- face is completely scarred from fire. Yeah. And then he puts the mask back on, and uh, Jason's doing, like, the trick that he has, which is, like, a little thing that, like, causes fire in his hand, but it hasn't worked. Yeah, it's like a little ring, like a lighter thing. And he gets it to work, and Pluto, like, jumps back in shock, and that's when Jason, like, books it out of the door and shuts it. Yeah. And it was the same closet as earlier, where if the door shuts, you get locked in. And so Pluto starts, like, banging on the door and, like, screaming. Um, Not words, just, like loudly yeah and his mom red hears it and she like goes to go look for him and uh adelaide she has uh her handcuffs are across a bar it's like one hand is handcuffed like they're handcuffed to each other Mm -hmm. but with the chain going over like a bar on the coffee table so she like pushes and breaks that bar so she's now escapes but she's running around still handcuffed but it's a decent enough like long chain that she can still do some stuff but not everything yeah and so they kind of all regroup and uh gabe pulls up on the boat and they all get onto the boat and and go off and they're heading to the tyler's house but unfortunately (laughs) shit is not better at the tyler's house no uh the the, uh tethered have shown up to their house as well and it's 
such a like funny and dumb scene because like Kitty comes out from getting ready for bed and is like, hey, the lights just went on off and the backup generator went on to uh, um, Tyler. No. Her husband. Josh. That sounds right. Josh. So she comes out to, to Josh and is like, can you, like, I think I heard somebody outside. I think there's someone here. And he's like, I'm busy. And he's like sitting in a chair holding a drink. He was She's asleep. Like, he, he passed yeah. out and he didn't even notice the lights turning off and then yeah. back on. And she did. And he's like, no, they didn't. I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, it literally happened. Will you please see what's going on? And he's like, no, nothing's wrong. And then like the kids come out and they're like, hey, what's going on? What's happening? The backup generator went on. And then these two other versions of the kids appear and stab them in the neck and yep. kill them. And then they die real quick tethered versions of um josh and kitty pop out as well and it's a little more drawn out for them and there is actually a really funny part because they have something called the it's not the alexa oh my god i forget what it's called it's like another knockoff name yeah it's like another stereotypical name yeah um but I also appreciated they did that, so that way they wouldn't be turning on ours at home. True. Um, but so, so they're <laughs> they're playing music and shit like that. And as these like tethered versions of them come out and start stabbing them, Kitty lives a little bit longer after Josh is dead, and so she's like crawling towards them, and she's like, "Well, but first they had put on good vibrations. Like, yeah, everything's fine. So most so of this, the murder happens to good vibrations. And then Kitty's crawling towards it, and she's like, device." Call the police. And it's like playing Fuck the Police by NWA. <laughs> and so she just has to like die to the sound of Fuck the Police by NWA. Which is so good. It was Honestly, funny. this is such a good scene. And so the Wilsons get there and they're like, oh, this is not great. Because like the Josh double comes out like in his night robe, basically. And so at first he's like, Josh. And then he's like, oh, this is not Josh. And so they have to, like, get into this whole big fight with them. And, like, Josh and Gabe also run back out to the boat. And there's, like, an altercation out on the boat. And, like, um, the kitty version, I think, I don't remember what their names are. There are names for, I think Tex is the alternate version of Josh. I don't think we ever hear them. We don't either. They're in the credits. Because they don't speak. Um, But, so they're fighting. And it's great because, like, the twins, I guess, are really athletic. I guess they're like gymnasts. Yeah, they must be because um, they're just like doing handstands in random places like the closet to yeah. like hide from people and then will like jump out and attack. Mm-hmm. And um, at some point, the like tethered version of Kitty, she like attacks and is getting has like a good grip on Adelaide. Yeah, she has her like basically tied up upstairs and she's like watching the guys fight out on the boat and like putting on lipstick and like feeling like a pretty lady and shit. Isn't she, like, choking her, though, She point? does start choking her at one point because it's Jason when... shows up. Yeah, it's when, after it looks like either Gabe has killed Tex or vice versa. Yeah, and so then, uh, yeah, Tethered Kitty starts choking out uh, Adelaide, and then Jason shows up with, like, a sculpture that he had picked up and, like, bludgeons the back of her head with it. Yeah, and so they all manage to get away. Although there is a tense moment where... They're going to take the Tyler's car. They don't have the keys. So Adelaide has Adelaide, to go back in. Yeah, she has to go back in, and it turns out one of the twins is not dead. Yeah, we thought that she was dead, but she yeah, was not. Yeah, they, like, she had fallen onto, like, a glass coffee table and shattered it, and when she comes back in, there's no one on the coffee table. And I she's think like, this is Fuck. where they use the golf club, actually, because the golf club right. was Josh's, because mm-hmm. uh, Zora uses the golf club as a weapon, and she's like, I have something, and she, like, looks to Jason to grab a weapon, and he picks up that right. sculpture. Yeah, you're totally right about that. 
Um, and so she, so one of the twins basically sets a trap for her because when she first goes in, she tries to get the keys out of like the key bowl that's right by the door, but it's been moved to the center of the counter in the middle of the kitchen. And she's yeah. like, fuck, this and is And she trap. goes over and sees like where one of the twins had landed when she was like pushed off the second floor mm-hmm. landing. And she's not there. And so she gets attacked, but she ends up winning. Yeah, but she goes real feral. Yeah. And she's like panting and like yowling and shit. And then like Jason sees her, like she's like, and, like it's it's very, it's she very, goes like, very feral when she's attacking this girl, which is great. She should, which she should under the circumstances, but like Jason comes in and is like, what What's the fuck is happening here? Like he's clearly a little bit concerned about it. But they like brush it off. They go out. They get in the car. Zora basically is like, first off. Dad's leg is fucked up because at some point during this, he's hurt his leg. Yeah, there's some. I don't know exactly how it happened. He keeps calling it a broken leg. I don't know if it actually it, it is. Seemed, it doesn't seem. It seemed more like a broken ankle type thing. Yeah. And like it, it wasn't. There were no weird angles. It was not swollen and funky. Like, yeah. I know it was a movie. It's so like, but he can't put weight on it. And Adelaide is handcuffed. Yeah. And so Zora's like, I'm driving. And they're like, hell no. And she's like, I'm driving. And, and she like, will knock it out. And then all of a sudden, Umbre shows up and they're like, guess you're driving. <laughs> yeah. And so they get in the car and they start uh, driving away. And they, Umbre runs at them, but, <laughs> and the dad is like, Gabe oh, is like, yeah. you've got to back up now. And Zora's like, nope. And floors it into Umbre. And then Umbre just jumps up and like runs a, on top of the car. But they still manage to like throw her off into a she, tree. Well, she, she like starts stabbing the top of the car. So they start reversing and she gets thrown onto the hood. And then they turn on the, the windshield wipers yeah, and, so and she looks her, so confused. Well, because then she like isn't holding on to it. And so they, they speed up and stop suddenly and that throws her onto a tree. And she's like impaled by a branch. Yeah. I love the name Umbre. It's, it's a, a pretty, really name. pretty name. It is really nice. Um, so they return to the Santa Cruz boardwalk because they're like the idea is that they want to drive down the coast. They yeah, that like let's go to the coast, let's drive down, get to Mexico for some reason. This isn't happening. Probably in Mexico, won't. well, they decided. I guess. Well, when they first sit down and have the conversation with the tethered, Red says we're Americans. That's true. So maybe they're like, okay, this is an America thing. We'll get the fuck out of here, and we Which, won't have I to mean, deal with based it. Based on the plot, actually, seems like it probably was an America thing. True. Mexico probably would have worked. Yeah. But when they get to the Santa Cruz boardwalk, they find that the road is blocked by their car. It's Yeah, it's a burning... And it's on fire. Yeah. And... So they stop. And they get out. Well, at some point, they're just sitting there being like, okay, what do we do? And Jason's like, it's a trap. Yeah. Because he's a very smart kid. He is a smart kid. And Pluto shows up. Yeah. And uh, when they get out of the car, they can actually see that there's a line of gasoline leading to the car they were driving. Mm-hmm. And they're like, fuck, this is bad. So they all get out of the car. And then Jason, like, remembers the Pluto thing that he, like, mirrors whatever Jason does. And so Jason just starts walking backwards. And Pluto also starts walking backwards. So he, And then Pluto ends up walking backwards into the car that's on fire. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting during this scene that Adelaide is begging Pluto not to do it. Well, because it's still a kid. It is it still a like child. Her, yeah. It, it's still a child. He was not, like, this is obviously not his idea. And she doesn't want him to die, but also, like, he's trying to kill her. So it's r- really hard for her. So while this is all happening and the family is distracted, Red pops out of nowhere and, like, linebacker runs into Jason and scoops him up and runs off with him. So uh, obviously Adelaide takes off after yeah, Red. Yeah, she wants her kid. Yeah. Um... Gabe and Zora sort of, like, lick their wounds and, like, kind of regroup. But Adelaide is like, time to go to the funhouse. And she goes back into the funhouse. She finds the secret tunnel back down immediately. She also punches that owl animatronic. I think she hits it with the, with the, um, uh, is, is she still using the, uh, 
golf club or does she have something else at this point? I actually she's don't. like a crowbar or something like that. She has something that she's attacking with. You're yeah. right. But yeah, she takes out that animatronic owl. Yeah. And so she goes to the secret tunnel and follows it down to this underground facility where there's only a down escalator going in. So people presumably cannot get out. And it's all white tile. Yeah, it looks like very sterile, but very old. Yeah. And... Like, imagine a hospital from the 70s. Yeah. And there's a bunch of rabbits around. There's rabbits yeah, all over the place. Yeah, there's a bunch of rooms that have, like, cages. And, like, a bunch of them are open. And um, there's, like, desks in those rooms. that are just, like, rabbits hopping around the hallways. So she finds Red in one of the rooms. And Red is, like, cutting, like, a, a chain of paper dolls, basically. Um, and Red basically sort of explains the whole tethered situation. Yeah, and so it turns out they tried to make clones in, like, the 70s, and uh, they succeeded. However, they did not succeed in cloning the soul. Right. Well, they wanted to, like... The goal of the clones was that then the government would be able to use them to control regular Americans... Something like that. And then it got, like, defunded, so they just decided to, like, abandon it and, like, leave them down there. Yeah, because the tethered are basically, they don't control the other people. The other people control them. So the tethered just do whatever the people above ground are doing. They just sort of copy those actions. Red also explains that, basically, she, after Adelaide became a dancer as, like, a teenager, Red also... Like, became became able to dance and, like, saw God. And, like, how... The other tethered saw that there was something different in her than everyone else. And so they, like, teamed up behind her, and Red basically, like, organized this whole uprising, essentially. Yeah. And now she's going to, like, she's like, fuck you, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to take your place. And And there's this really cool fight scene between them. Yeah. Where uh, Red just keeps, like, dodging everything that Adelie is throwing. Yeah, she just, like, steps out of the way and steps out of the way. And it's really, it's almost like a dance choreography. Yeah, it's really, really cool and very well done. Um, Hard to describe other than just, like, watch the scene. Yeah. Honestly, you... Watch the whole movie, but, like, the scene's really cool. It's really, really great. Um, But finally, eventually, Adelaide, like, fakes her out and makes her think that she's injured. I honestly didn't think Adelaide. I thought Adelaide was going to die down there, to be honest. But she doesn't. She she gets out of it and she stabs, uh, or she... She disables Red and then chokes her to death. Like, with the chain. Yes, she does. Because she gets stabbed, I think, and that's how she, like, she gets get Red's guard down and then she strangles her. Yeah. Um, and she, like, laughs about it afterwards. She's, like, fine with having done this. Yeah. Which is a little fucked up. And but so also. Uh, she finds Jason in, like, one of the lockers in one of the rooms. Mm-hmm. And they go upstairs. Uh, the dad and Zora. So, J- uh Gabe and Zora have found, like, an ambulance they're hiding in the back of. So, yeah, uh, when they're in the ambulance, Gabe is like, yo, your mom's got this. Yeah. She's going to, like, she knows what to do. She'll be fine. Because Zora's yeah. like, are you worried about mom? And he's like, no. Which I love that. Like, yeah, he's like, he's she like you know herself. what? I doubted her, but. <laughs> but they get back and they walk off and she decides, uh, she also got the handcuffs off, I think. Yeah, I think she smashes them off or something like she that. She does something after she, like, chokes Red. She yeah. does something to get the handcuffs off. And, uh, or she, no, she takes the key oh, she takes from around right. Red's neck. Yeah, that's what it is. that is. And so she's back. She's not handcuffed anymore. She has, which is, oh my God, that's such a good metaphor. Right. Sorry, didn't realize she's that She's literally until, untethered. Didn't realize that until just now. Yeah. Um, and gets in and she drives the ambulance and Jason's in the front seat with her. Yeah. And he gives her this sort of glare look. And then we get a flashback of her memories 
of things. From and it's not the clear. Funhouse. Yeah, it's not 100% clear if she's just now remembering this or if she's always remembered it. Like, she might have been blocking it out. It's not totally clear. But basically, she went into the fun. Well, she- Adelaide went into the funhouse and met her doppelganger. And her doppelganger choked her, dragged her downstairs, handcuffed her to a bed changed clothes with her, went back upstairs, and took her place in the world. So the Adelaide we have been following this entire time was actually the tethered version, the clone, the quote-unquote red. That's why she didn't speak. Yep. That's why red can talk. Yep. That's why red is so fucking mad at her. That's also why, so uh, Lupita Nyong'o actually studied people whose, um, or voice patterns of people who'd suffered like, uh, neck trauma mm. in order to figure out how to speak as red and so that's why like red's voice is so different she'd been choked as a kid so her vocal cords were damaged yeah so i thought that was fascinating when i learned that but yeah. it's really funny i was watching this movie and at some point i text maggie and i was like yo what if they swapped places like how like, good would that i be? can't confirm anything but and i was then, like she got it she got it right away. <laughs> i got it like it's probably the first like 20 minutes of the movie um because as soon as like I realized like Red was the only one who could talk and I was like oh she's the only one who could talk because she's the other one but then there were times when like Red was explaining stuff to Adelaide that like Adelaide would know yeah because she was like there like when Red goes on this tangent about like what the tethered are and who they are like obviously Adelaide knows that because she lived there before Red did yeah I don't know if she's supposed to like I said if she's supposed to have forgotten this like if this is like you know when you have like a traumatized like a traumatizing memory a lot of people will like push it down and forget about it yeah but I don't think you usually forget like the first six seven years of your life and it's not like she I don't think that's what happened. I think that she, I think that it was used as a, uh, I'm going to tell the watcher what happened and like yeah. tell them the mythology. Yeah. Even though it doesn't make sense for the character of Red to be telling the character of Adelaide. Also like, I don't know. Oh, okay. Before we close this out there, it ends on a shot of like a hands across America style chain of the tethered oh, yeah. all connected to each other across America. Anyway, that is how it ends. I don't know that they need that scene where she explains it. I think that the flashback gives you enough information. Well, I think that they wanted to say, like, why is this happening? And so when Paul was watching, he's like, but who are these people? Like, why are they there? Right. And I was like, I don't know if we're going to find that out. Like, I think but it might be good as like just like a mystery. Like, we don't need to know that they're clones. I think it'd be better if they, I don't know. I feel like they explained it too much, but also like it doesn't really make any sense because like why, why? They, also, so there's like, just people down if, there? Also, let's say there was a clone of Adeline Mm -hmm. and a clone of Gabe. So Red and Abraham. Mm -hmm. If those two sets of people were to have sex, they wouldn't come up with the same exact children. Like that's not how that works. Right. Unless there's like, they're also cloning and, but that doesn't make sense. But that's what they said. She birthed them. Yeah. So So there are things like that, that like science wise don't make sense. Like just the ideas that it's like they were having sex at like the same exact moment. I guess. But still, that's like. It's weird. Especially because they can do slightly different things. Because like when you see the flashes of them doing similar things, they're not being exact. They're being similar, but they're like, they're more like echoes of the actions rather than the actual pure actions themselves. So I think that one of the reasons that this movie goes so much bigger than Get Out, and I think sort of hand-in-hand with that, no pun intended, um, one of the reasons that it runs into the issues that it runs into is that Jordan Peele wanted to make a horror movie this time. Because apparently there's some people who watched Get Out and didn't think of it as a horror movie, which we've kind of discussed previously as well. We did, yeah. Um, He said uh, about that, there's a cool interview that I read with uh, Rolling Stone, um, 
I'm such a horror nut that the genre confusion of Get Out broke my heart a little. I set out to make a horror movie, and it's kind of not a horror movie. Which, again, I don't agree with that. I think that it is obviously a horror movie. I think it is, too. And the, the article even refers to it as a social thriller in the vein of Rosemary's Baby, which also, like, Rosemary's Baby is a horror movie. I mean, I was reading an article earlier today about the movie Mother because, like, that movie's a fucking trip. Yeah. Um, But that also was referred to as, like, a thriller, which, like... I don't have words to describe what happens in that movie, mm-hmm. um, especially because I wouldn't want to. Yeah, I don't want to know anything about it before you I haven't see seen it. it, which yeah. I can't wait till you watch it. Oh my god, I'm so excited about I it! I just want you to text me the way that I text. Oh, you. Oh, I will. I will do that. Yeah. Um, like I was about the thing. Yeah, this movie. It's but like it's not a thriller. It is like a fucked up like thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's I, like Black Swan on steroids. I just think that there are more versions of horror than people typically give. It credit for i think there are movies that are just different than other movies that have come out i think mothers like that i think get out is like that yeah i think there are movies that just don't have very many similar ones in that genre and so they don't know what to call it so it's not like a pure horror it's not a pure thriller it's not like anything in particular it's more of a horror than like jaws is yeah i just find the idea that like because get out talks about like social issues that means that it's like not a horror movie to be really weird because like horror movies have always Talk in some way or another issues, not yeah. as maybe not as like in the forefront as like Jordan Peele's movies do but like still it's always been there yeah totally um but so he decided he was going to make something that was more of an outright horror movie which this is it i is, would say yeah. this is very i mean it's a but home it invasion has, like it's still very like horror comedy yeah there's and a lot of comedic still, elements yeah there's like the sci-fi sort of element to it there's like a whole lot of other stuff going there's on there's a lot of sci-fi horrors though yeah um but he felt that it was important since this movie is not specifically about race in the way that Get Out is. I think this one is more about class. It's definitely about class, yeah. Um, he still wanted to keep a black family at the center of the movie because he wanted there just to be, like, a horror movie that's not about racism where there's just a black family at the center of it. And I think that's important because, yeah. like, I still think there's an idea in parts of Hollywood that, like, there needs to be a reason for an actor to be played by a person of color. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, so, I agree with the fact that Hollywood thinks that. In terms of, like, casting someone who is... Asian or black or like Hispanic, they're always like, oh, well, why? Right. The reason is like, why can't we just tell stories people about people? Exist. Yeah. Yeah. We should be telling stories about people of all kinds. We can tell. Yeah. Like, there are upper have... middle class black families on vacation at their lake homes all over the place. Exactly. Like, there's no reason so, that like, they shouldn't why be. Not? Yeah. Yeah. So I think like representation, just like being able to see yourself in media, is so important. Yeah, and I think that that's really interesting, because I know that, like, Lupita Nyong'o was like, yes, I first off, yes, I want to do a Jordan Peele movie, absolutely. But also, like, I think about her career a lot and how, like, her big break was playing... Um, it was in 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, it was in 12 Years a Slave. And I just think it's so interesting that since then she's taken all of these roles that just don't have that component to them like she's in this she's in like that little monsters movie where she gets to be like a ukulele playing kindergarten teacher who fights zombies no that sounds awesome yeah i, I think it's gonna movie. be I, I haven't seen it yet but i'm really excited um, about it i mean this to be fair she is being like hunted and has like a traumatic past yeah, very but very different yeah but it doesn't have to do like it doesn't have that same sort of like i just love to see her in things that are like fun i think I've, i don't know how much i've seen her in outside of like black panther mm-hmm. um because no, she was in that and she was in uh, this. I don't know if I've seen her in anything else. Well, to be honest, she 12 Years a Slave only came out five years, years ago. ago. So, it you know, she's been in the Star Wars movies. movie. She's been in this. Oh, I forgot she was in the Star Wars movie. She's, yeah, she's to be fair, she's voiceover, like, yeah. Yeah. She's in Little Monster. So, like, she's had stuff come out, but, like, she hasn't 
you know, she doesn't have a huge long resume yet. That's true. She just got like really famous right away because like she won an Oscar oh, she for so like pretty at that. Uh, God, she looks amazing in everything she's ever. She had like the crown and like the teal yeah. or like mint colored dress or yeah. whatever it was. It was so pretty. She's so cool. So in terms of like broadening the world out, uh, from the first to the second movies that Jordan Peele has done. He got that idea from a couple of places that he mentioned in particular, one of which is Tarantino's shift between Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, in which the world does definitely get bigger. It does, yeah. And one possibly more questionable source, which is M. Night Shyamalan's move from Sixth Sense to Unbreakable. Both good movies. I'm just saying, if there's someone whose career you want to pattern your own career off of, M. Night Shyamalan might not be the one. To be fair, I also would say that The Sixth Sense is just a better movie than Unbreakable. Yeah, like, I really like Unbreakable. I thought it was a fun movie. But, like, in terms of, like, classic, tight, beautifully plotted, gorgeously paced movies, like, Sixth Sense is incredible. I think it actually kind of follows that. Yeah. It follows the Tarantino thing really well, where it goes, like, okay, like, a really well-done movie with, like, a twist you weren't seeing, and, like, you really care about the characters. And in this, it's like, oh, yeah, it's fun, and, like, I do care about the characters, but also, like, there's a couple plot holes that confuse me. Yeah. And, like, it's a good movie, but, like... Yeah. Maybe you need a tiny bit of tightening up. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that's a good comparison. I, but like again, it. like Unbreakable, great movie. Yeah, it's just I, not on the level of Sixth Sense. It's not. And I think that Us is a really good movie. It just like has a couple gaps. Yeah. And you got the idea for this. So there's apparently, appropriately enough, a Twilight Zone episode. Because oh, he cool. is now the he's yeah. now doing his own I Twilight seen Zone. Any of it. I haven't either. I've heard mixed things about it. I don't have CBS All Access. Because, I don't either. Like, we'll what? see someday. Maybe. I don't know. But there's an episode called Mirror Image where a woman um, meets, like, a duplicate version of herself at a bus station and is, like, pretty sure that they're, like, coming from a parallel universe and they're going to, like, replace her. Which is basically, like, uh, essentially this. Yeah. But apparently when he was first, like, starting to write stuff. I mean, like, he's always, you know, written and created. Obviously, like, Key and Peele was largely him. But when he started getting into, like, really trying to write a screenplay, uh, he just, like, smoked a ton of weed and just, like, wrote down ideas a bunch. I guess he doesn't smoke weed anymore, which is probably good because he has, like, a small child and all that stuff. Um, Did you know he's married to Chelsea Peretti? I did not know that. I think I did know that at one point in time, then I forgot it. That's, like, one of my favorite uh, Hollywood couple facts. I like that a lot, yeah. I think they're delightful. Um, Yeah. So this that was, like, kind of one of the ideas that he first got when he was, like, pre-Get Out thinking about things. And he, he didn't spend as much time on this one as he did on Get Out. Apparently, he rewrote and rewrote and rewrote Get Out, like, 40 times or something like that. I and mean, it was, like, a perfect movie. Yeah. This one, he worked on the concept for six months and then wrote the screenplay for six months. Which is still a long time, but not as, you know. Yeah. I feel like when you're working on your first project, you can take a really long time. When you're working on your follow-up project, it's like, all right, well, people are waiting, so you kind of got to go. No, that makes sense, and I just, I kind of wish he'd gone, he'd asked why a lot of times in the script. Yeah. Like, if he'd gone and be like, okay, like, why is this character saying this? Yeah. Why did this happen? Which is the hardest part of the writing to do. I believe that. But, yeah. But it doesn't mean. It needed it. You can't do it. Right. Um... And I love two facts about this movie, about the onset aspect of it, one of which drives me crazy because apparently he gave a 10 film curriculum to all of his actors to watch in advance of this so that he they could get an idea of like the overall tone and vibe that they were going for. I've been able to find that The Shining was on there, Let the Right One In was on there, and The Babadook was on there. If someone who is listening to this can figure out what the other seven movies were and please post it on our Facebook page with a link to a source 
that would be huge for me because I couldn't find them. And searching us film curriculum gets you a lot of U.S. film curriculums for different colleges. (laughs) So it's not helpful. Um, Have you tried just like tweeting repeatedly at Jordan Peele being like, what was the curriculum? I, I often forget tomorrow. Twitter exists because I don't use it. On I think he's moderately active on Twitter, but I also like the fact that since he is such a good mimic from like his comedy days, uh, and he's good at imitating people, when he was doing like the double scenes when like Lupita Nyong'o was doing the red stuff or being Adelaide versus Red, he would just mimic the other version of her so that she could act opposite herself. And apparently, he was like relatively convincing, which is insane. That's awesome. So yeah, I like that. I like him a lot. I will give him a lot of a lot of leeway, even if I think that things didn't fall necessarily where. No, I, I mean, I still, them like to. I said, I still think this is a good movie. This is like I want to say in the top half of movies that we've watched on this podcast. Yeah, I would say so. And we usually pick movies that either we like or we've heard good things about or yeah. something like that. But like, I'd put this in the higher section. Like, yeah. I think it was good. I think so. And for me, one of the things that does that is like how many really well done themes there are present in this movie so like i think a big one in this movie is like the lack of opportunity for marginalized people right oh a hundred percent because like there's not really a more clear version of that than there's two identical versions of these people one who one had opportunity above ground. one who did not yeah the tethered can do the stuff that their counterparts above ground do like they have to imitate them when they're down there but like you see once adelaide escapes and goes out on her own she's able to live like a full normal life like there's no one to teach her how to talk so she never learned how to talk right but she does once she's up there exactly and adelaide kind of it goes or red it goes the other way when we're just going to refer to the adelaide we know as adelaide throughout the movie as adelaide the red we know as red is red we're not going to go back and forth on that so red kind of goes the other way where she like loses the nurture nature flop thing where she goes down there and like she's still a child she's had an upbringing at home that's like decent but she goes from being this like smart and promising kid to just like this unhinged lunatic who just wants revenge and And like it doesn't only exist between the tethered and the and the others yeah Um, it happens like there's like one of the themes you kind of see throughout it is also that the like Adelaide and Gabe's family, like they kind of look up to Josh's family because they're like the rich people who they're trying to impress and all that. Like they buy the boat because they're trying to like show off. Yeah, and they talk about it to him and like that's true. And there's the scene where Gabe says something about like, oh, he had to buy that new car and rub it in my face. Where it's like exactly that's probably not what Josh was doing. He probably bought a new car because he wanted a new car. But how they feel about Josh and that family is like a kind of more muted version of how like the Tethers feel about them. And it's like everyone is kind of like fighting upwards and like see yeah. the people above them as something else right so it exists in more than one place which i think Definitely. is just so fascinating i absolutely agree with that like people are only everybody's gonna there, there's not that communication like the reason that josh and gabe still get along is that they're, they're still able to communicate with each other right so they can still have those interactions and like relate to each other on other levels the tethered and the humans like the right well they're all humans, but the tethered and like the above ground folk don't have that. Yeah. They just have this animosity and then this violence that breaks out. And like, I thought that the, the hands across America thing initially I thought was super, super weird, but apparently that's sort of like a representation of like the weird 1980s fake everything's fine sort of mm. thing of like, so the concept of Hands Across America was that they were going to raise a bunch of money for, like, homelessness and hunger and stuff like that. And everybody was going to line up and hold hands all the way across America. Terrible idea, obviously, if you think about it for, like, two fucking seconds. Yeah. Because of, like, topography and shit. 
Uh, <laughs> he helped. It literally shows like a ton of people like coming out of the ocean. They're all like semi submerged in the yeah. ocean. It's like you guys are still. It's human. not how it works. Like the, no, <laughs> they didn't raise nearly enough money. They were supposed to raise like a hundred million. They raised like fifteen million or something like that. So people just like fucking failed at it. The tethered are able to like rise up and accomplish this thing that like normal people weren't able to. And also, like the whole thing is just like putting a band aid on mainstream society while while there are still people who are like starving and dying so i'm also really confused that's another one of those like how questions i had is like they didn't have any like technology yeah i don't know how they did the the thing i don't know how they did the hands across america thing i guess she just explained hands across america to them i get that but then like how did it i guess in the millions of tunnels under america i guess yeah they're just walking around maybe but that's like you can't tell millions of people by just like word of mouth and underground tunnels especially when she's the only one who can talk yeah like that doesn't work i don't know how they did that they're not, yeah. like, telepathic. They are human. You would think they would run into more problems than the regular Hands Across the America, people who which had, like, a marketing like, budget. Yeah, they had a marketing budget. Everyone who was a part of it could speak. They had technology, like, televisions to broadcast it. Like, I don't know. Also, where did the red jumpsuits and the vintage shears come I from? I don't know. I like, really how did don't they have know. That many pa- Does why somebody did bring them down to them? Where did they get that many pairs of vintage shears? And, like, why were they all bronze? And, like, they looked so fancy. I know it was totally for aesthetics, but, like, yeah, how? I don't know. I'm very confused. Like, they didn't have money. No. I don't know. They had to eat raw rabbit all the time. Yeah, which you can't do. It kills you. That, like, they could have started a fire, I guess, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of questions. I, yeah. Subways catch on fire. Yeah. Just burn a rabbit on it. I guess. I, I, maybe they don't know how to. That's also possible. But that's why it's like, they don't know how to get food that isn't rabbit. And to be fair, she could have been speaking like hyperbolically. Mm -hmm. But still, it's just like, I have a lot of questions. Yeah. You literally can't live on rabbit. You'll starve to death. It's a thing. Really? Rabbit death. It's like a whole thing. Rabbit death? Rabbit starvation, I think it's called. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Because it happens in the wild. Like people try to eat. Only rabbits? People try to survive on rabbits because they're easy to catch, I guess. But... And they, uh, I was actually thinking about that while watching this. Is like they're probably if they repopulate so quickly yeah. that like from that angle, yeah. I think they're just there because Jordan Peele thinks that rabbits are creepy. Honestly. To be fair, rabbits are creepy, they are creepy, and it was like a cool idea. And like most people probably don't know about rabbit starvation. True. So again, like Red could have been speaking hyperbolically. That's um, true. And saying when she only ate raw rabbit and nothing else, like she could have been eating other things. True. I did like that there is technically so the escalator that gets you down into the tethered world. I thought that was a really interesting metaphor for like trying to escape from poverty. Is like running up a, a downward. Yeah. I think Technically really there are ways to get out of it, but it's difficult. It's dragging you back all the time. Yeah. So, I actually have tried running up an escalator before. It's hard and it's, it's dangerous. It's really hard and also dangerous. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. Okay. Red slash Adelaide managed to get out and change their situations. Like both of them did like, but not our Adelaide. Right. But, like, so few people are able to. You have to get up that escalator. You have to know that it's there. And a lot of these people... There's obviously nobody down there explaining stuff to them. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. It's really, like, one person wandered off. That's a really good metaphor. Yeah. And then I do think that there's a lot of that frustration and resentment between the classes as well that comes up. Like, it's really easy to sympathize with the tethered because it fucking sucks down there. Yeah. And you kind of can sympathize with both Red and Adelaide because, like, Red knows what she's missing out on. Adelaide had this terrible life 
who she knew it was terrible, but she still forced it onto Red. But also, like, she was this abused, neglected child. Like, what is she supposed to do? She saw her opportunity and she did what she had no, to do. No, 100%. There's also the idea that just, like, the people who are, like, living above ground, like, just don't know that Tethered exists. Right. And, like, if they knew, they might be able to do something to help them. But they didn't understand. Like, they don't know what's going on. No. Sort of, like... I'm sure that there are people who are very wealthy who would like to do something. I mean, at this point, there's really no excuse. If you're very wealthy and you want to do something, then you can do something. Get your shit together. But, like, it's easy to be so out of touch with a world that you just are not part of, you know, and just not really understand how things work for other people. I know there are ways, like, I I personally want to do more for, like, communities and, like, share more. But, like, knowing, especially because they're also, like, this might just be a personal gripe, but there's so many, like, prominent, like, non-profit groups that are like really shitty yeah there are a lot like i'm not gonna give money or clothes or anything like that to the salvation army again nope. like there's just uh there's so many that are like problematic for reasons it's hard finding like the good ones right and so like i've given like the aclu and stuff like that in the past but like yeah. it's just it's difficult and it's because like it's not the same. But, like, even then imagine if there's, like, this whole group of people you didn't know exist and all of a sudden you're in, they're in your house and you're like, well, what am I supposed to do to help you? Like, how, I don't know, I didn't know you were there. I didn't know what you needed. I didn't know any of this stuff. Yeah. And it's just because, like, basically because the government created this subclass of humans that is impossible, like, unable to communicate with you know, mainstream above ground society. Everyone gets murdered. Yeah. The only way that you can continue this system is either this totally innocent group of people who live underground have to continue to be subjugated and have these miserable, shitty lives, or they rise up and have a decent life. But in order to get that, a bunch of people above ground have to die. You know, I thought, I thought, I just think it's a very interesting. I think it's very interesting and it's not like a one-to-one metaphor, but no. it is like representative of some of the issues in society and yeah. between like different classes today. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like with Get Out, Get Out I think might be a little bit more nail on the head with like, it's about how white culture takes the parts of black culture that it finds appealing or yeah enticing and then throws out like all of the less pleasant parts of the black experience and is like, we got ours, fuck off. Which I think is literally what's happening in Get Out as It's well. literally what's happening. But, uh, you know, this might be a little bit, not more vague, but just kind of not as straightforward. Because it's more you're not, symbolic and yeah. less literal. Yeah. But still very interesting. And very interesting and a good point that needs to be made, honestly. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting. Also, we've talked about this already. There's so many Easter eggs and so much foreshadowing oh my in this goodness. movie. Holy cow. We already mentioned the 11 um, 11 in the signs, but that's also the time on the clock when Addie puts Jason to bed. Yeah, it's also carved into the guy's head, the oh, uh, homeless that. guy's head, like his forehead when they see him later. Was that the same guy who was getting loaded into the ambulance? Yes. Yeah. It was. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. That's what I thought. It's the score of the game that Gabe is watching when he's watching football. Oh, shit. I didn't notice that. Um, yeah, it's all over the place. It shows up quite a bit. Um, and I don't know if there's, like, a Make-A-Wish connection to it. Because, you know, like, the eleven eleven Make-A-Wish, like, thing. Yeah. And they never say that. But I they was thinking don't. it. But, I, yeah. I mean, I think it's a hard. I don't know. Maybe that's not something that other people are familiar with. Maybe it's like, but I don't know. We both experienced it. I don't know. Maybe it was, either. like, a young millennial thing. Yeah. But, I mean, Red gets her wish. Kind of. Kind of. And then she doesn't. But she starts to get her wish. She gets the uprising she wants. She just doesn't live to see it. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. She wished for an uprising. It worked. She True. She isn't there for it. Yeah. All of the tethered did free themselves from their... Uh... Except for, like, those four. Well, she... Oh, that's true. Technically is Sorry, the original except tethered. Except so... for those three. Yeah. I forgot about that. For um, a second. 
Also, like, it's a double on its own, so you have the 11 and the 11. It's also four individuals. Oh, yeah. Which is, you know, what the movie's about. See, he had such good Easter eggs and such good, like, ideas there. Yeah, and there are so many references to other horror movies in this, which I also love, because you just know that he's such a fucking nerd. When they're on the Santa Cruz Pier, um, which is the same place that Lost Boys is filmed, he, like, hears someone say, like, oh, they're filming something over at the carousel, and it's supposed to be the Lost Boys. Yeah, I liked that a lot. And it's funny, because I was watching this, and I texted Maggie, I was like, is this, this is where the Lost Boys takes place, right? Because I just watched that with Paul a couple of weeks ago, months ago, I don't know, time blends together. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's supposed to be what it is. Um, And also... Something that I loved that was like the first thing that made me like stop and pause and look at the subtitles is when she's wandering off from her dad at the very beginning when Adelaide's wandering off, like right after she sees the Jeremiah eleven eleven guy. Um, there are these two teens talking to each other and playing like rock paper scissors. Yeah, and according to the subtitles, their names are Glenn and Nancy, which is that. the name of the lead and her boyfriend in Nightmare on Elm Street. Which is also one of the VHS tapes that is in the opening scene because uh, there oh, are movies funny. on either side of the TV. There are a couple movies. There is Nightmare on Elm Street, which we obviously see later. Then there's the um, the Jason's face is burnt up, kind of like in a, a or um, Pluto's face is burnt up in like a Freddy Krueger type way. There's the glove. There's like a scene in the boiler room. So there are like a couple subtle references yeah, to I that. Yeah, I see that. And then the Glenn and Nancy thing. Uh, there's the movie Chud. I don't know if you've ever seen Chud. I have not seen Chud. I started to watch it a few months ago, and I had trouble finishing it. (laughs) Uh, It's very 80s and very uh, crazy. But it's uh, cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers um, who are, like, people living in the subway tunnels under the streets of New York and murdering people. That sounds about right. Also, apparently, it was directed by Jordan Peele's first girlfriend's father. Oh, that's fun. Which is an interesting historical fact about that. I like it. Uh, There's The Goonies. Also has some underground tunnel stuff happening there. Um, and when she says, towards the end of the movie, um, when Red is talking to Adelaide, she says, it's our time now, our time up here, or up there. It's like almost an exact flip of Sean Astin's line, it's our time down there, from The Goonies. I've never seen The Goonies. I've uh, seen The Goonies. It's, it's fun. It's a cute, like, 80s adventure movie. Yeah. I feel like I may have aged out of it at this point, and I might not get the most out of it, but someday I'll watch it. I think you'd still enjoy it. But you probably wouldn't as much as you were a kid. I thought it was fine. Yeah. I didn't, like, love it. But, you know. All right. There's also the movie uh, The Man with Two Brains, um, which is Jordan Peele. It's like a Steve Martin comedy. Uh, he describes it as being about the idea of two intelligences sharing a soul in a way. But also it's about, like, a brain getting transplanted into somebody else's body. So I think it's also a little shout out to get out. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then, of course, Nightmare on Elm Street, like we said. And then uh, there's some references to Jaws in this. Oh, too. yeah. Um, so apparently Jordan Peele, like, loves Jaws. He thinks it's just, like, a really killer movie. Yeah. And he actually, like, had to reach out to Steven Spielberg for permission for the kid to wear this shirt. Yeah, it cost them, like, 500000 50000 It cost them a lot of money to use to get the licensing from the studio. But Steven Spielberg personally gave his permission. Yes, yeah. But he, was he like, wanted to actually pick out the exact shirt that he wore. So yeah. that design of the Jaws shirt was picked out by Steven Spielberg for this nice. movie. According to uh, an article that I read. I like that. Yeah. It was the New York Times article, right? Like, telling the story of, of shirts this, or yeah, something this, like that. Uh, like, us told through the shirts. Yeah. Yeah, that I like one. that. It's a fun concept for an article. It is. Um, but it was only the kids' shirts. Yeah. Yeah, like, I really well, well, they don't do anything fun shirt wise he's wearing like a howard sweater the entire time that's just like his college yeah it's a historically black college yeah i believe 
Oh, I was thinking about his outfit uh, when you said that, and I love the scene. I forgot to mention this, but uh, when they're sitting down at the house, when um, Abraham reaches out and takes Gabe's glasses and puts them on himself, and like light, like his expression oh, lightens that, up because yeah. he can like finally see again. I forgot about that. But I love that. I think it's so funny. That was really well done. There's so many yeah. little cute moments that I just cute and also spooky, scary, but I think spooky they're great. Spooky, scary. Um, yeah. So the, I mean, the the whole beach scene feels so Jaws to me. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, when she realizes that she can't see her son anymore. Like, they know there's a danger, but they've decided to look past it. Yeah. And then she loses track of her son and can't find him. And there's, like, they don't use the exact same cinematography. All, obviously, like, the Jaws shot is very famous. But, like, there's that same, like, panic feeling that, like, the way the cinematography does is you just see, like, frame of frame of frame of, like, all, like the kid's not there and, like, the birds are flying away and it feels very tense. And, it does, like, it yeah. gets your heart racing, which I think is amazing. I, the Tyler twins, I think, are sort of a reference to The Shining because some of the posing when, like, the creepy Tyler twins come out I could see is that. very shiny to me. The Shining um, twins definitely did handstands. <laughs> Weren't they not actually twins? Weren't they just sisters? They were just sisters, yeah. The but Grady still, twins were yeah. not actually. Yeah. Um, and then the jumpsuit and the glove are, like, references to a few things. So there's Michael Myers' jumpsuit, Freddy Krueger's gloves, and the whole thing is kind of a thriller look. They've got one gloved hand. That makes a lot of sense. And an all red suit i was gonna say it also probably saved them money on gloves but not really because they were all like the same hand yeah they would still need to buy the same amount <laughs> that's such a waste just wear both gloves there's a lot of thriller references in this though because like the are. shirt that she wears is a thriller shirt yeah and at the end of thriller michael jackson reveals he was a demon the whole time oh, oh shit uh jordan peele and uh winston duke kind of talk about how like the modern legacy of michael jordan has changed so much that it sort of reflects that duality that like it's gone from him being like beloved to being like oh michael jackson you know yeah and winston duke has a, a quote about this that is like the most beautifully phrased thing i've ever heard which is if your legacy can visit you at your door with your face are you prepared to see it and deal with the repercussions yeah i just i know there's so much like obviously i am someone who chooses to like trust people who comes who come forward and say things but there's also mm -hmm. a really big part of the community who thinks that people are lying and have like a lot of like reasons why that like yeah aren't like a, like i can understand why they've come to those conclusions it's not like people who think the world is flat where it's like no you're just not yeah. accepting scientific facts and there's so much like hearsay and all that like i have a hard time like saying yes I mean, he did bad things yeah. or no he didn't do anything i'm just like i think either way it's safe to say that he dramatically crossed the line of what is a safe and healthy way to interact with young that, children I think is definitely true regardless of where it went from there i tend to believe that the things that were said to have happened happened yeah. i watched part of the loot i haven't Neverland watched, and i had to shut it off because it was so it was one of the worst it, but i read a lot most horrifying and i'm just of, like yeah. i don't feel comfortable personally making a call about him in any way that's understandable and Does very honest to me. <laughs> yeah. no that that makes a lot of sense but I, I mean i do think that either way like it has shifted there has been like a there ha a change in how people perceive the public him. perception of him yeah. is very different yeah. like uh, people are much less likely to play his music now right and stuff. yeah so maddie how did you feel about this movie overall i liked it a lot yeah um i've pretty much expressed all my opinions for the most part but just like i I think there are a lot of really good ideas. I think yeah. visually this movie is stunning. Oh my God. Um, but then there are parts that I'm just like, don't understand the choices that were made or more like, I wish certain things were fleshed out a little more or like, I still just don't get like red, 
What's the word when you just like tell things? Oh yeah, the info dump. I don't the uh, exposition. Exposition. I don't think that we needed that at all. That and it's like I would I would have rather had like Adelaide find like an old videotape that she like sticks in and like has a video explaining like what's going on or something like that or like experiments. Something that's like okay, it's not Red telling the story. Because when Red tells it to Adelaide, like, Adelaide already fucking knows. Yeah. Like, there's no reason. If, like, it'd be like me telling you, like, oh, Maggie, let me tell you about the people of New Hampshire. Did you know that the area code is 603? Did you know the license plate said live free or die? And, like, obviously, I'd be like, no. why are you telling me this? Exactly. <laughs> that's where I'm from. And so that's what bothered me. So that, that was honestly my number one, like, complaint. Yeah. Unless it is supposed to be, like, she forgot or whatever. But I didn't get that. No. I, I didn't. I mean, all of her actions leading up to it mesh really well with her knowing what happened and feeling guilty about it yeah and i just yeah i think that if we, we'd gotten a glimpse of that mythology but not been like here's what happened i i could think a glimpse would have been good yeah. and then we would have had less questions but they like i think it was tried too hard to be explained and then <sighs> i think that that was a that was my main issue with it and i think that the more that you try to get into the details and explain everything the more problems come up because like okay so like like you said, like, how do the tethered offspring work? What is the miracle that she talks about when she experiences the miracle? Is that just her dancing in a beautiful way? Like, is Jason supposed to be weird because he's half tethered? Or is that just that he's a weird kid? Or also, like, then wouldn't Zora also be weird because she's half tethered? Yeah, and, like, aren't it, they also saying that, like, nature, it's the nurture, not the nature? So, like, wouldn't, shouldn't they be the same if he's raised in, like, again, a that loving was supposed environment? To be, like, him being, like, a magician, him wearing the tuxedo. Like, he yeah. was supposed to be, like, representative of the mage of the group. Yeah. While uh, you mentioned earlier that the Tho shirt uh, mm-hmm. means rabbit in Vietnamese. But before that, she's also just wearing a rabbit shirt and she just, like, yeah. runs and runs and runs. True. And, she's kind of the rabbit. Uh, yeah. Uh, so there's like the the family are all supposed to kind of play different roles to a certain extent. So like I get sense. that he's supposed to be like the the one who's like wise beyond his ears and like senses things that other people don't sense. But it doesn't. I mean, it kind of comes across that way if you've read articles explaining it that way. It seems like he's weird in the. I don't know. Yeah. It seems, I don't know, especially since, like, the closeness of his relationship with Pluto once they're actually introduced to each other. Like, they don't have the same antagonism towards each other. Yeah, it just came out of nowhere that he was, like, the the weird look he gives his mom at the end, like, the something's wrong with you. Like, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. I guess he saw her a couple times go, like... Go really violent. Yeah. Which, like... But she was also, like, a mother protecting her family. Right. That's what happened. Yeah, like, somebody kidnapped her child. Of course they're going to... If I was in that situation, I hope that I'd be able to do that. Exactly. And I understand why he wanted to make this bigger, but I do think that if this had just been a home invasion movie where we got bits and pieces of this and it didn't have to be, like, hands across America... Like, I get that he wanted to incorporate that for, like, the time and, like, the... That whole thing, I I just think it would have been better without it. Yeah. But overall, I do really like this movie. I do think it's a great movie. Um, before we move on, I quickly want to cite a couple of sources. Um, we use the Rolling Stone article, The All-American Nightmares of Jordan Peele by Brian Hyatt. An IGN article called Us Movie Explained, The Tethered Hands Across America, Jeremiah 1111, Rabbits and Fan Theories by Jim, Vado- Jim Vivoda and Tom Jorgensen. A Vice article, which I really liked, I definitely would say take a read of uh jordan peele's us is not so secretly about class by noel ransome vulture article called a guide to references and easter eggs in jordan peele's us by jason bailey inverse.com's article how jeremiah 1111 really explains the ending of jordan peele's us by eric francisco 
and the Vanity Fair article, Eight Easter Eggs and References Jordan Peele Hid in Plain Sight by Johanna Desta. And don't forget the New York Times article, Reading Us Through Its T-Shirts yeah. by Mikado Murphy. Which is actually a very interesting article as It's well. so interesting. That's where I learned about the those shirt and the... The, the magician shirt and yeah. all that stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff on the internet about us, just like there was with Get Out. I think it's definitely worth looking into uh, if you want to fall down a, no pun intended, rabbit hole. Ha! Ha ha! All right, Madeline, what are we doing next? We're doing a movie I've never seen before. I've also never seen it. But yeah, we're going to watch I Spit on Your Grave. I am very excited about this. Um, it's classic. I'm I interested. I don't know much about it. It's a slasher, right? Yeah. Okay. I think it's a rape revenge. Yeah, it is. So... I- Probably exploited, exploitative, but also, like, vaguely feminist in its concept. Yeah, it's, like, 70s, 80s. Yeah, so it'll try, but probably still have a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, I think there was actually also a remake, too. Yeah, I know there have been a couple sequels as well. Cool. Well, we're going to We're just going to watch the first more one. about it next yeah. week. All right, guys. Um, take care. Uh, please be safe. Uh, enjoy your January Happy Lunar New Year to those of you celebrating. Yes. And um, Oh, look at that. It means Happy New Year in Chinese. Nice. That's all I can say. <laughs> and uh, listen, if you go into a house of mirrors and you see a little girl or a person who looks exactly like you, just, just go. No. Leave. Walk no, away. No. Bring no. her with you. Bring her with you. Yeah. Get her out of there. Unless she like attacks you, in which case I think you're just kind of fucked. Sorry. I guess that's true. If you go up into a house of mirrors and you see a little girl who looks exactly like you, say, can I come home with you? Or gesture that you want to come home with her. Just take her hand and and walk out of there with her. Or, I mean, to be fair, choking her and leaving her for dead kind of worked out. Um, No, it didn't. It did for... (laughs) It gave the... Well, I guess it gave the people below it out sort for of like her. a god. I mean, she got a nice life, and then the people down below got like their Jesus. So I guess it sort of went both ways. Better advice: Don't go into fun houses. Yeah, just never avoid have them. to experience. You don't need to this. do that. Just stay out of there. Don't go to Santa Cruz. Sit on the beach. There's drink a mai tai. Not if you're a child. Don't drink a mai tai if you're a child. But if you're mai an adult, tai. it's yeah, just like sure, pineapple like a pina colada. Juice. Yeah, just put some pineapple juice in your cup and drink that. I like pineapple juice. Everybody likes pineapple juice. It makes your mouth burn a little bit. So Mm, good. Delicious. It's eating you. All right, guys. uh, We're going to head out. Uh, Take care. We love you. Drive safe. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.